Today, we're going to finish our series in God We Trust. All over our currency, we have the title, In God We Trust. Um, and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, and we're looking at chapter 9, 6 to 13. Just to give you a recap, on the last two weeks, we've looked at living with a proper perspective. That was the first, series, the first message in this series, and we talked about three principles, the ownership principle, the stewardship principle, and the accountability principle. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, living with margin in your life, so I challenge you to start uh, a savings account. Uh, if you have not, I challenge you to start one. Why is that important? Because you never know what happens, and it's good to have margin in your life. And today, I want to talk to you about uh, living in a cycle of generosity, Living in a cycle of generosity. Uh, How do you establish a cycle of generosity in your life is what we want to talk about today. To give you a little background about the passage, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about giving. Because he, even if you look in Scripture and you read even the Gospels, Jesus talked a lot about finances. He talked a lot about money. Why did he talk a lot about money? Because many times with money, what will happen is our hearts are very tied into our money. And Jesus even said it this way, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So one principle I've learned uh, through my years of pastoring and also following Jesus is the fact that if I want to redirect my heart, I start giving because when I give to God's purposes and his plan and his kingdom, what it does is it directs my heart to go to those places. And so that's a really key thing to understand. Uh, The big idea today is God's desire for us as his followers is that we live in a cycle of generosity, but how we give and the attitude we give with will determine whether we do or not. The Apostle Paul, in in the context we're talking about, is, 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 is trying to raise an offering for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was more, it was a more poor church. It was, it was more in poverty church. How many know that in the city we find that? Usually in the cities we find uh, more poverty, uh, more people that are marginalized, and more people that need, have deep needs in their life. And so we see that the Apostle Paul is seeking to raise an offering to be able to provide for the needs of the church in Jerusalem. Now Corinth, the church he's writing to, was a very wealthy church, a wealthy place because it was in a place where there was a lot of uh, uh, industry, and not industry, but commercial uh, things. They, They were doing well financially. It was a thriving church. It was a growing church. It was a church that actually um, had a lot of spiritual gifts, very gifted church. And so he starts talking to them and seeking them. And then in this passage that we're looking at, he's giving us the reasons why we should live and the power of generosity uh, in our lives. And I want to talk to you today. Jesus talked about this. Let me take you first to Matthew 6, 24. He says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word money there is mammon. The word mammon means basically this. It means, in Aramaic, it means riches. And so it says you don't need to, basically what the the term riches is there, it kind of has an attitude, I don't need God 
I trust my money. I don't really need God in my life. I don't really need him, and I don't see him as my provider. I see my wealth as my provider. I see my job as my provider. I see the resources that I have as what provides for me. We're talking in this series about what it means to trust God. And so really trusting God goes completely opposite of this whole idea of mammon. Because mammon says, hey, I got this handle, I got a good job, the measure I job, the more money I make, the happier I get, the better I'm off in my life. And so my trust is not in God, but it kind of subtly goes into trusting my resources, my money. And how many know that's a dangerous place to go? Now, obviously, the word doesn't say that money is evil. How many know money is not evil? The love of money is the root of all evil. So when you have a love for money, that's why Jesus talked about the connection between our, 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 our resources, our money, and our heart. So I want you to be thinking about that in your life. What are you trusting with the resources that you have? Are you fully, completely trusting God? In fact, the song we were singing when I was worshiping over here, I, I just sense like, you know, think, think about Moses. God told him, he, so faith is not just out of nothing, Faith comes from what? Hearing God's voice and direction. God told Moses to go with his staff to the waters, to the deep of the, and God parted the sea and made it a highway for the people, his people. And what happened is Moses had to take the step of what? Stepping into the water first, on the shore, taking the staff. I'm, I'm kind of imagining what he did. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what he did, but I'm imagining that he popped it into the water. And the water split. Sometimes it's hard for us to trust because I can tell you something. It takes a lot of trust to trust God with provision for our lives. How do we keep the funnel of heaven flowing so that our lives can overflow in blessing, which leads to generosity? How do we do that? How do we keep this funnel going? How do we keep our lives in a place where we say, God, I want to be a funnel that you use, that, that you kind of can pour into because I'm going to filter it through and I'm going to give it to the, the things that are on your heart, the things that really matter to you. So I want to talk to you about four principles we can find in this passage uh, that we need to remember that will help you and I live and flow in a life cycle of generosity. Look at verse 6 of this chapter, uh, of chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. He says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Notice he's kind of remembering, calling them to remind them of something. Remember this. Remember this truth. Remember these principles. These are truly godly principles because they're kind of based on even nature itself. And he brings in this picture of what? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The first principle is this. We need to remember that in your giving Sow good seeds and do it often and generously, knowing that you reap in direct proportion to how you sow. In other words, let me, let me kind of try to explain this. If I was a farmer 
And uh, I was planting a, a, a farm, and I'm planting a crop. Here is the principle. The Apostle Paul is saying, and he's reminding the people in their giving, that when they give, they need to do it generously. Because the more you sow, the more you plant, the more you uh, give out and sow in and plant is the potential of reaping more. Does that make sense? If I have a handful of seeds and I just start planting and I'm going to, I go, okay, I'm done with my, my planting. I'm, I can only expect, based on this law, this principle, that the measure that I give will be the measure that I get. But if I take a whole bag, pound, big old bag, and I start planting, and I plant generously, and I give it out, I go around and, and I'm throwing it out, man. I'm giving it out. The more potential, obviously the outcome of that is going to be what? Greater. It's the amount that you sow will determine the amount that you reap. Now, here's the problem with this principle. Many churches have latched onto this, and they tie this giving. And sometimes the, the return will not be right away. Sometimes the return we'll never, never even see until we get to heaven. Some people tie it into the prosperity gospel. What they say is that if, I, if, I, if you give, uh, then I, I don't know if you've maybe seen this in some churches where they'll come up, oh, come and sow some seeds. And they come and they say, come to the altar and put all these money down. Listen, and you're going to get a, a, a blessing. What does that mean? Some people kind of portray, some pastors even erroneously portray that, oh man, look at me. I, I'm driving a Mercedes Benz. And look at, look at how faithful I've been. You see, that's dangerous because the gospel is free and it's never tied to anything. But when you find is the reality that many people tie it together, that's not what the apostle, apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, there is a principle of truth that the, to the measure that you give, it comes back. And our focus should never be on the, the gift, but the giver of the gift. You see, and that's the danger of this all. All throughout Scripture, you see, here's some parallel passages. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that, she, that shall he also reap. So in, in what you sow will also determine what you reap. So if you sow in faithfulness for the glory of God, for the honor of God, you're going to receive from that somehow or another. The blessing comes in many different ways. Uh, Luke 6.38 says, Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour it into your lap, for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return. So there's this measurement thing that you have to understand, this measurement truth, that the measure that you give will be what is returned. Um, these passages emphasize both quantity and quality. What you sow is important. How many know this works in the flesh side of things, the ugly, sinful nature side of things? What you sow, you reap. 
You can be sure, like, you start, you start cheating on your taxes or you start cheating on different things or you start cutting corners. Listen, you can be sure, the Bible says, that your, you, your sin will find you out. It will come back. It's going to happen. Some people think they get away with it. Some people think they get away with it. And some people can get away with it with a lifetime. But I can tell you one thing for sure. They're going to have to stand one day before holy God. Because, see, it's all about ownership. It's all about stewardship. This does not belong to us. Nothing that we have belongs to us. It belongs to him. And when you settle the ownership in that we are managers and stewards and that we're going to be held accountable, oh, my God, help me to be a trustworthy servant. And Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. He's talking about that, that we put God first. Now here's how we can put that into practice with the trust issue. Now there's different views about tithing. Tithing means 10%. But I believe strongly that all through Scripture, even going before the, the time of Moses where the law was given, that God, even Abraham himself, the father of all faith, he said, listen, I'm going to take 10% of all these things. He went to war. He got some stuff back. He brought 10% of that and gave it to Melchizedek, who was a priest. And he gave it to him, presented that 10% of his earnings or what he came out of that sowing and reaping thing he gave to the Lord. So in his heart, as a man of faith, he was somehow, God had established this where we're supposed to somehow give of, of, of the resources that God gives us with, somehow we're supposed to give 10%. Now here's the, the sad part about this, is that many of us have never understood and practiced that as followers of Jesus. How do we know? Listen, I believe there are many people, even throughout our nation, only 4% of people, they say tithe on a regular basis. What we usually do, we have this mentality that we kind of, whatever we have, we say, okay, you start thinking about, oh, you kind of give. Now, this is what we're going to see God kind of confronting us, the Apostle Paul even kind of teaching on this and discipling us in this because I want to tell you something about giving. Giving is a spiritual discipleship issue. And we as people and followers of Jesus, we need to learn and grow in this because the goal is this, to live a cycle of generosity. First of all, I want to commend the church. This church has been an amazing church. There's so many of you that have this, this, this down of, of generosity. Look at how, how, how we've been. I, and listen, in the, the years of Portage Park, because our church has history. We're not just Norwood Park. We're, we're Irving Park, uh, Jefferson Park. We're, we're, we're all the parks. And now we're Norwood Park. We happen to be Norwood Park. And it doesn't mean that we're moving. I mean, I, think, I thank God for this building. But listen, we're stewards. We're stewards. In our deepest, lowest moment, God always was providing. We were faithful as a church in giving. There were people in our congregation that could barely give, but they gave. Look at what's happened with the boxes. I mean, 87 boxes. That's, that's generosity in a time of crisis. There are some churches that have closed down because of COVID. Why did we not close down? I'm going to tell you why. 
Because we've been practicing some of these principles we're preaching on right now. We, we, we said, listen, every location has to take their budget and we need to actually save and put a reserve together. A reserve that for three months we're covered if something happens. You see, we are practicing the principles that we're preaching. And we see the truth and the reality of it uh, as a church. We have been as strong as ever. We've seen God use us to feed all throughout uh, the Chicagoland area. We've, we've fed up to 30,000 people with food every single week in different communities that have been hard as hit. The question is, do you want to be a part of it or don't you? You could relive the rest of your life and not be faithful with God, how God wants you to steward the money that he, he is, is, is asking you to steward. You could go all your life and you could stand before him someday. And I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that you're saved. I don't doubt that you have a relationship with God. But I, I saw a, a funny cartoon recently. There was a baptism, kind of like what we do. and they, they, There was going under the water, but... Uh, the pastor was baptizing this person and there was a hand sticking up with the guy's wallet. And I thought to myself, that is interesting. You know what that picture, that cartoon is saying? It's kind of humorous. But what he's saying is that person didn't want to let go of his wallet. That wallet needs to be submerged and baptized. Why is that important? Because those of us who are not flowing with the principles of God and the way that God teaches, because it's a spiritual matter, we're going to, sometimes we're sowing in different ways. And we kind of wonder why we can't, and we're always living at the edge. Why we're kind of always struggling with anxiety and fear. Uh, it's many times is because are we really practicing the principles that God is teaching? So application-wise, how do you sow in your life when it comes to giving? Do you hold on to things and sow sparingly, or you are generous in your giving, expecting that as you sow generously, you will reap generously. Verse 7, it says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The second truth that we need to remember, the Apostle Paul is teaching here, we need to remember in our giving, do it with a cheerful attitude, knowing that God's favor flows in direct relation to the attitude of your giving. The two attitudes that we see here, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. One is a determined attitude. We see that there's a determined attitude to give, saying, God, I, I give, I'm determined to give. I'm determined to begin to give to God. I'm determined to begin to be a cycle breaker. I, I, I want to tell you something. Some of us need to break the cycle of, of poverty and scarcity in our life. How do we do that? Begin to sow seeds of generosity. Begin to sow seeds of giving. Look, at, look and say, God, how can I give uh, at this time? How do you want me to give? How do you want me to manage the resources that you've entrusted to my care? Um, the other one is a cheerful attitude. Uh, the word there is hilarious. Hilaros is really the, the word there in the Greek. But what he's saying here, it, that's where we get the word what? Hilarious from. Have you ever heard the word hilarious? That's hilarious. Uh, that's kind of where we get the word hilarious in the English language. Um, 
Many of us, we give uh, that way, but how do we give? Some of us, I kind of have two pictures that we can give of people. When, my question is, how, how do you part with your money? Many, many of us, we kind of are like, um, like, 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 it's like a funeral kind of thing, you know? How do you part with your money? Some people ha- wave goodbye at their money. <laughs> bye-bye. And they kind of go, oh, bye-bye, it's so hard, huh? But then the other picture is, is hilarious giving is, is more like, you know how these guys, they, they get a touchdown, and they receive a touchdown, and they do a dance in the, the end zone, and they're doing all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and you know what I'm saying? But they're celebrating. Imagine if our giving was that kind of way. Woo! Woo! Touchdown! You see, there's two different pictures we can have in our giving. Some, we wave sadly goodbye to our money. Some of us, we celebrate our giving. How do you celebrate? How do you respond when you release and give money? Now, here's the thing. The problem is, too, the thing that we gotta, can't, can't keep out of the picture is this. Many of us, we need to get out of debt. And part of that is start obeying God in the little things, start implementing these things, and then start digging out of debt. Get a plan. Set a plan in motion to get out of debt. How many know the feeling of debt? Yeah. It's horrible, isn't it? Some of you couldn't even raise your hand because you're in debt so much. It was just too heavy. Got to be careful with that. But here's the encouraging part. You might be in debt pretty bad, but I'm going to tell you something. You can get out of debt. And there's ways. Uh, one good thing is um, the, the, there's a lot of good tools out there. The part of it is, is making a decision and doing it. The third principle that we see is verse 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The third principle is remember this, practice generosity knowing that God's abundance is activated so that we can overflow to bless others. Notice what it says here, that God, uh, will, God will make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, God activates generosity. He loves generosity. Why do you, why do you think God loves generosity? You know why he loves generosity? Because he is generous. And when you and I flow in generosity, it reflects back to our heavenly father and his generosity. But he's saying, listen, I, I, I want to give it to you. I want to establish you. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Notice in Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. There's a remembering there that we can never forget the Lord our God. He's the one that multiplies our giving potential seed so that your harvest can impact and will be greater. I don't know about you, but 
I've experienced at some point in my life not being under the blessing of God. And there's a big difference between not being in, under the blessing and favor of God as opposed to being under this amazing uh, blessing of God. And listen, I don't want to trade. Yeah, I don't want to go back. And so part of that is living in the truth of these things. Listen to what God is saying. So that in all things, although that is directly related to finances, not limited to finances, that in all things, at all times, you have all that you need and you will abound. I know some of you, it's hard for you to see that right now because you might be struggling right now in your finances. But I can challenge you. Based on his word, God is saying, I want to bless you. I want to release to you. I want to give to you so that you can be a blessing in all times. Uh, You have all that you need and you will abound. You have overflow to bless, be generous, and meet the needs of others. Why Why do you think God increases our resources? I believe it's to increase our giving potential. God increases. Here's what happens many times when, when you get a, a pay raise or God gives you some account, a bonus or an increase. Sometimes what we do is we, we already think, oh, how am I going to spend it? Instead of, how can I give it? How can I give it and be generous with what God is giving to me? Because it says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Notice that there's a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is right living. And when they see, people see how we live our life. Listen, right now is a, a perfect time for God's people to rise up in blessing and show that we as a people of God are called to be the generous ones. Even through this difficult time of COVID and sometimes there's been a pinch and maybe every one of us have felt a pinch of some sort. But I'm going to tell you something. We as God's people are called to be generous. How are you establishing that? How are you? What decisions are you going to make today that will affect not only in laying down a legacy of eternity, of legacy of blessing and generosity in your life, but also impact, impacting others. Number four, and lastly, the last principle we need to remember is that our generosity is a tool that generates thanksgiving and glory to God. So keep looking for opportunities to be generous. In verse 11 it says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession on the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. I want you to notice something here. That you're giving and how you give, and when it's seen by others, it will what? Reflect back to the gospel that you believe in. Verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And notice the word obedience, because giving and generosity is the obedience part. 
And if we can't be like that person still holding our wallet outside of the, the, the submersion to God and obedience to God, it needs to come under the obedience of God and that we would serve him with generosity and, and that we would continue to be a, a, a church that impacts. Now, here's a, here's a reality. Some of you are already doing that. Some of you are already doing that. Some of you are already practicing generosity on a regular basis. But I want to challenge you. Keep, keep stepping it up. Keep continuing being generous. But there's some of you that need to start. And some of you, it's a discipleship issue. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little visual here right now. How do we start being generous? It starts by taking little steps. Now, some of you... Being a step would be this. Imagine these steps right here. One step here would just start giving something to God. Just start giving something to God. It could be uh, just, just even an offering or something. But God wants you to start giving. Why? Because it's good for you that you would say, God, I'm trusting you with my giving, I'm trusting you with my life. I, I, in God, I trust, is what you're saying. God, I trust you. Even though I have needs and different things, I'm going to put these principles to, to practice, and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to start obeying you. So this is the first step. Some of us, you, you've already been doing that for some of you. You give here and there, but it's not a consistent, regular basis. So what you need to do is take the next step up a ladder, and that step is doing this, saying, God, I'm going to start tithing. Tithing means 10%. There's a lot of scripture I could take you to, and, and, and we don't have time this morning. Uh, Malachi is a really powerful passage that talks about tithing, uh, and, and I want to challenge you to read that. Uh, but here's the reality of it. The next one is being faithfully of giving 10% of what comes in. My wife and I, when we first got married, I had no clue about stewarding money. I had no clue about giving to God. Oh, I knew that it was important. My parents taught me, but I never had a job until I graduated from, from school and got married. I had a, a full-time a, yeah, full job, and I started providing for my family. And I'll never forget the first report that we got from Pastor Mark Job of our giving. And on there was a little hand thing, and it said, it basically was a typed-out thing, and then there was a little, this is before computers, by the way, uh, PCs, personal computers. And so he had typed it out on probably a typewriter and put some blanks in there, and then he would write in the giving for that year. So imagine we got this at the end of, the, uh, of, our, of our year of 87. Um, and so we're looking at this, and we're like, whoa. And my wife and I both saw the numbers, and we realized we were not tithing. So what we did, we were kind of the ones that were giving, kind of like, hey, give, 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 we give, we give to God, you know. We're, we're, we're following Jesus. We're giving. But then we, we stepped up to the next ladder and said, listen, we're going to give 10%. Now, was it easy? Absolutely not. It was tough. I mean, sometimes I, would, I, I was a checkbook guy, and I'm doing the checks. And this is back then when there was no bank, you know, de debit cards, nothing like that. There was all there was a checkbook. And I was doing all the balancing and, and, and thing. And now here's the thing. I'm, I'm worse at math. My wife is better at math. And, uh, but I, I would do it, and I would say, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense at all. But you know what? We decided we're going to give to God. And listen, every single time, God would, was faithful. 
All throughout the years, I could tell you stories after stories of God's abundance provision during seasons. And we've had seasons of plenty and seasons of want and seasons of need. There were times where we mixed milk, gallons of milk. We took a gallon of whole milk and we'd mix it with another empty jar and with water until we got busted. We had somebody over. We, sold, we don't do that anymore, so if you come over, for, we don't have mixed milk. Um, but, but we did that. So we, I understand about needing and being in need and plenty. One time I, our landlord came by and he said he went to the refrigerator and opened it and there was nothing. And she, he goes, uh, what happened? A famine hit here? And my poor wife, she went and cried in the bedroom and the in the bathroom. And uh, but then the next week, we saw the next few, couple days, we saw a big box full of groceries. So we probably we knew it was him. It was anonymous, um, but it was, it was God provision, right? God provides. God put him on His heart to be generous, and God provided for us. Uh, so we've also done the same thing at different seasons in our life. So the next step would be God. I've I, I'm 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 started giving. Now I'm taking a step of obedience. God, I'm, I'm going to start now tithing where I'm going to at least the minimal tithing. And, and, and then the next step up, I, it's a little bit crowded up here, so I hope they can see me. But the next step up is saying, God, I'm going to go to generosity here. And my wife and I have, have done that at different times too. And we've also looked at other op- opportunities to give and to be given resources. Now here's the thing. You're not just stewards about your money. You and I are stewards of our times, or our time that we have, our talent, and our treasures. And God's going to hold us responsible for all of those. Think about how you spend your time. How much telenovelas do you watch? How many movies do you binge on? And I know, and I understand, I mean, part of me, sometimes I have to relax. Right now, my wife and I, and our family, we love, we love Monk. The, 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 the monk thing, you know, that, that's an old thing, but it's a show, and it's a detective. He's a funny, quirky guy. Uh, so, but anyway, we, we like to watch that one, you know. And, uh, but the problem comes in is you start watching something, and they try to hook you in. So how, how are you managing your time, your talents, and your treasures? And so there's some steps that you can take to, to be able to take that step. What kind of cycle am I setting in motion? I want you to think right now, what kind of cycle are you setting in motion in your life? Do I bless God with the first fruits, the tithe of my income? Am I a generous person? Today, maybe you can determine. Say, God, I want to jumpstart a cycle of abundance that leads to getting, getting, giving glory to you, God. I want to start a cycle. Some of us need to pray today that God would break from us the spirit of mammon. Some of us, we've been bound by the spirit of mammon. This God, I trust you. I trust my money. I trust my resources more than I trust you. But if you begin to be faithful in these steps, I believe God wants to, us to be a people of generosity. What kind of steps do you need to take today? I want to read this psalm before the worship team, as the worship team comes up, uh, we could, I could read this psalms, Psalms 112. In fact, the Apostle Paul quoted this psalm as he was talking about this whole topic of generosity. 
He, in verse nine, he says, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And this is where the psalm comes from. Psalms 112 says this, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Did you hear all this theme in here? Of God's righteousness, God's faithfulness, God's compassion. It's going to flow through us. And in times of even darkness, light of dawn will, will, write, will, will shine for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. I'm going to tell you something. How you and I manage and steward reflects on our God. And I want to challenge you that today, I want to pray for you as we close our time right now. Um, and then we, we're going to have communion in a minute here. But I want to I pray for you. Why don't we all stand right now? Maybe some of you have, this, have, been, have been bound by the spirit of mammon. Some of you even to the point where you love money. And it's led to all kinds of other things in, in our lives. But God is saying, listen, I want you to be free from the spirit of mammon. I want you to be free. And I want you to begin to walk in generosity. I want you to take steps of obedience in your giving. Because as you learn to give, you become generous. And it reflects to the gospel. Like it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it reflects to the gospel of, of God in our life, what the gospel has done in our life. It frees us from selfishness. It frees us from pride. It frees us from the spirit of mammon and begins to help us to walk in freedom under, under God's reign and control. And so, Father, we come to you right now. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would free this congregation, your people, either online or here, God, that you would free us from the spirit of mammon. And that you allowed us to begin to trust in you, God, fully. Like these words we've heard about the things that we need to remember, God, about generosity. God, I pray that they wouldn't just go in one ear and come out the other, but that you would implant them, write them on the tablets of our heart, Lord. Help us to put them into practice, Lord. Like as we've heard your word, as Moses stepped into that, 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 that sea and the, it parted into a, a, a basically a highway, God, I pray that, that we would see your righteousness rise up among us. And as people see the generosity of your people here 
at Norwood Park, that we would see, God, your gospel go forward and people come to you in repentance and turning to you, Jesus. And God, as we go into the season of Christmas, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we, our hearts would be burned and set afire for you, God, once again. And God, in these crazy times we are living in, God, with the COVID and all these, these things that are going around, around us, God, I pray that we find the center and, and, and you the center of peace. You are the Prince of Peace. And even as a child, God, you came into this world in a turbulent time. I pray that as we celebrate your coming to this world, fully God, fully man, to dwell among us, I pray that you would, would cause our hearts to rise up in generosity, to rise up in joy, to rise up in peace, to rise up in righteousness, Lord. Every one of us reflecting who you are, Abba Father. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship, and then as we prepare for our, our, our communion, to take part, partake of communion this morning.